but we'll see you in court. <laughs> Thank you. Have a nice day. Oh, hi, Mark. It's delicious. <laughs> oh, my God. Hello and welcome to episode 5 of the Big Fat Cult Movie Podcast. My name is Chris Mayo. I'm an actor, a writer, a comedian, a lover, collector, appreciator of weird, wonderful, wacky, and let's face it, sometimes questionable films. If this is your first time listening to the podcast, welcome. Thank you very much for joining me. And if you're a regular listener, welcome back. Each episode, I look at a different cult film from trashy underground horror to cult masterpieces, and I send a list of those films to my special guest. That guest picks a film that they'd like us to discuss. We go away, take notes, come back, and talk about it at length on the podcast. If you want to get in touch and let us know what you thought about the film, the podcast, or the guests, or if you have any suggestions for future films, you can find us on Twitter at BigFatCult, and I'm at Chris underscore Mayo. And if you'd like to support the podcast, you can buy an official Big Fat Cult badge. They are £3, and that includes delivery to the UK, or £5, and that includes delivery everywhere else. The website is ko-fi, that's coffee.com forward slash Chris Mayo, and the link to that is in the description as well. As with every episode, we will be looking at the film in a lot of detail, which means there will be spoilers. So if you haven't seen the film already and don't want it to be spoiled, then pause now, go watch the film, and then come back and hear our thoughts on it. This episode, I am really excited to be joined by Holly Mallett. Holly is an actress, a writer, a musician, an improviser. She is part of all-female improvised musical group Notflix. And she just happens to be my best friend as well. So this is a really fun episode. And the film is the 1986 killer robots in a shopping centre cult horror comedy. It is Chopping Mall. They broke into the mall for the wildest all-night party of their lives. They're dead meat. But you're never alone. In the Chopping Mall. What's that? Chopping Mall. Where shopping costs you an arm and a leg. I was thinking about films the other day obviously because I'm doing a film podcast but I realized that in the five years I've known you I think we've been to see one film together can you remember what that film was Toy Story 4 Toy Story 4 yep that is all the the highbrow theater that we go to together and discuss at length and the only film we've seen is the one with a fork in it it was hilarious as well because we went on like literally the day it came out and we went to that massive the biggest cinema in the um, picture house central and then there were like 10 people yeah (laughs) i'm just gonna put it out there chris i know it's a kid's film but that's like a perfect film the way that they the, they got all the tangents to come into each other and the callbacks and the new characters and the fact that every single strand was tied up by the end satisfactorily. It was perfect. And there's a lot of people that don't like it. There's a lot of hate for Toy Story 4. I think a lot of people said it should have ended at 3. I was a bit sceptical, but watching it, it was, it was wholesome and fun and it's got a talking... F- Fork in it. What more do you want? Forky is my spirit animal. Yeah, I need to. I need to get one or make one. 
let's face it, <laughs> that's probably why they didn't take off, because you can literally make one with a fork and some pipe cleaners. But we're not here to talk about good, wholesome films. We're here to talk about killer robots. Are, are you a film fan? I mean, we don't really talk about films in real life that much. Do you watch a lot of films? What, what kind of films do you like? And have you seen many cult films? I'm not not a film fan, but I'm more of a TV fan and I'm more of a theatre fan. And particularly because we're going through a golden age of TV, I'm much more inclined to watch that. But... And this is the end of the podcast. <laughs> no further questions. But uh, I'm in an improv show called Notflix, where we take films that the audience have seen and improvise movie musicals around them. And we run a film club every week at the moment during lockdown. So I'm watching a lot of films I haven't seen before. I'm revisiting a, f a lot of films I used to see. We get a lot of really weird films in the, we call it the bucket of destiny with all the suggestions. We get loads of weird films and then afterwards we obviously have to look up what the films were. So we've done things like, is it is it Ghost? The one where he's just in a sheet. Oh, a ghost story. Oh, a ghost story, that's it. War of the Buttons, which I thought must be fake. <laughs> I can't say I've heard of that one. Yeah, it's a bunch of like eight-year-olds like warring over some buttons. Uh, okay. And they all end up running over the hills of Ireland naked over some buttons. So, yeah, so I, I part of my job is to watch and enjoy films, and I do, but I'm definitely not as geeky about them as I am about certain TV shows. But I do love some cult films. I think The Princess Bride is one of my favourite films of all time. Yes, which after four years of putting off watching it, you <laughs> bought it for me as a present and guilt-tripped me into making me watch it. And it was fun. It was good. It was uh, It's certainly a cult film. It's fun and wholesome as well. It was good. It's genius. It's, I think it's the sense of humour that I love about it. And then, and then I think the other cult film I always talk about that uh, nobody's ever seen, even though it was a blockbuster, is I think Short Circuit probably counts as a cult film these days. I yeah, friggin' another, love Short um, Circuit. Another robot film. There's a lot of robot films. I've been, well, there's a lot of killer robot films, a lot out there. Short Circuit was a good guy, right? The guy, the robot character in Short Circuit <laughs> was one of the good ones, right? Yeah, so number five came alive. He hangs out with Ali Sheedy, I think. Number five is alive, and they have to convince the army that. Not only is number five sentient and alive, but a good guy, whereas all the other robots are just the nasty killer so army sort robots. sort of like Robot E.T. It is like Robot E.T. What about general films? What are some of your favourite? I'm very, very erratic with my film watching, mm -hmm. and I'm very erratic with my type of genre that I like so I can pretty much tell you what films I watched recently and loved like the other day I watched Hidden Figures about okay, the yeah. African-American women women who helped NASA yes which was like amazing and the Ruth Bader Ginsburg one uh, on the basis of sex and mm -hmm. then I also adore Toy Story 4 <laughs> and obviously Toy Story 1's the, the classic yeah that's a good range had you heard of Chopping Mall before I suggested it to you and what made you pick Choppy Mall out of the list of cult films that I sent? No, I had not heard of it. And out of the list you sent me, I said either Chopping Mall or was there one about a microwave? <laughs> yes, Microwave Massacre. Microwave Massacre. I feel out of the two, you've certainly picked the better film. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Chopping Mall is a, <laughs> is a lot more wholesome, which is saying something because, you know, people get their heads blown off and there's lots of tits, but... But yeah, 
Microwave Massacre, which I will be covering at a later date, um, is pretty grim. I, th- I think the reason I liked it is I love a pun. I love a pun name. Yep. And I won't lie, the name is not very good. Other than the mall bit, I feel like Chopping Mall, I feel like it gives an implication that there's going to be a human with an axe, not a bunch of robots with lasers. Yeah, it does sound like a, does sound like a slasher film, but... They just wanted to get the pun in there, didn't they, really? And the uh, tagline, where shopping costs you an arm and a leg, which is one of the best taglines of any film. <laughs> what were your initial thoughts on, on the film? Uh, love the soundtrack. Yeah, it's gloriously 80s. So Chopping Moore came out in 1986. It's billed as a comedy horror sci-fi and the synopsis is a group of young shopping mall employees stay behind for a late night party in one of the stores when the mall goes on lockdown before they can get out the robot security system malfunctions and goes on a killing spree which you know that's that pretty much sums up what happened felt a little bit triggered by the mention of lockdown there but it's okay (laughs) everything's gonna be fine yeah i think that sums up the the plot pretty well so what um what did you expect and what what was your initial reaction So, yeah, like I've sort of alluded to, I definitely thought it was going to be more of a human committing a massacre. So you're already disappointed. (laughs) Also, I was like, this is freaking Robocop. Like, I just looked it up before we started this podcast, and it actually came out a year before Robocop. Whoa. And I'm thinking that the pre-production of this will have been a lot shorter than Robocop, for obvious obvious (laughs) reasons when you watch it. but. You know, it's not the tiniest budget movie. No, well, this had a this had a budget of eight hundred thousand dollars, which you know, it's not it's not Hollywood levels of money, but that's still a pretty hefty chunk of money for nineteen eighty six. And considering it's you know not the longest, and it's you know there's one location, and it's not a huge cast, there's not loads of extras and all that stuff. It's um yeah, it's a pretty hefty budget. Yeah, I I've got to say, I watched Robocop for the first time mm-hmm. recently. I thought Arnold Schwarzenegger was in it. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. Bearing in mind, I run the film club that not Disclaimer, <laughs> Holly Mallet is not a film industry professional and all of her thoughts are entirely her own. <laughs> I actually tweeted him on the day of the film club. I like added him and I'm not even <laughs> joking. It was over half an hour to 40 minutes in to Robocop. Like, finally dawned on me that he, A, not only was not Robocop, but he wasn't going to be in the film. (laughs) Comparatively, the budget for Robocop, I've just found out, was $13 million. So, um, yeah, in comparison, that's uh, quite a difference. I'm going to say it right now. Even without the budget, I think this film is better than Robocop. (laughs) Now now I know about the budget. Yeah, I would argue that... um, that Robocop's probably a cult film as well because it's, you know, it's a film of a certain time that has a big following and, uh, you know, is, I mean, it is a huge film, but um, it's uh, certainly got a particular following. Did you enjoy it as a film overall? I actually did. I thought I was going to be watching a shit film that I would be like, okay, this is fun because it's shit or, or like I could roll my eyes at it. Mm-hmm. I actually really enjoyed it because I think for me what makes the difference between something that's good bad instead of bad bad is the intention and the sense of humor of the writing and you take a lot of bad 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 films that are kind of enjoyable but they're not like 
they're just rubbish and they're not funny because of it because they're just not bad enough to be funny and then mm-hmm. you take something like this which is almost you can almost feel it's been written to be bad but somehow it has more of a sense of humor and that's why for me as somebody who's like i get called like woke too woke all the time <laughs> and the woke police and pc brigade all the time like i am somebody who finds you know sexism and you know i'm gay so homophobia and racism all that stuff but so much of this film like it was it all felt like it had a sense of humor so although i'm not gonna say that you know i'm not gonna tell 15 year old kids to go watch it after school it actually felt a lot less kind of sexist and yeah bad than a lot of films that have been written since 2010 yeah this this one holds up as Fairly wholesome, I would say, on on the scale. Um, So it was directed by Jim Wynorski and written by Jim Wynorski and Steve Mitchell. Stars cult horror royalty Barbara Crampton, who is in loads and loads of similar films. She's in Reanimator and she's in Puppet Master The Littlest Reich, which is about a load of Nazi puppets. So, you know, (laughs) saw that at Fright Fest a couple of years ago. That was uh, deliciously trashy and funny and it's a fairly decent cast and dick miller who is in every film ever who plays the uh the janitor in one scene he is in loads and loads of films terminator he's in gremlins he's in um and he died last year actually but he's uh yeah he's sort of one of those character actors who crops up in loads and loads of films and uh yeah so barbara crampton who plays Susie, is uh very well known amongst the horror community and Dick Miller's very well known. The other guy is I hadn't seen before. It also stars Kelly Maroney as Allison, Tony O'Dell as Ferdy, Russell Todd as Rick, Carrie Emerson as Linda, Nick Segal as Greg, uh, the list goes on. But um, I hadn't uh, heard of the director before. And then today I went on to his IMDb just to see what other, you know, quality content he's made over the years. And oh my goodness, I mean, some of these, I mean, The Hills Have Thighs, was <laughs> a particular favourite. So what, he's, a, he's basically a porn director who did one feature film. He's done a bunch of films, but funnily enough, all of his slightly dodgy sounding sex films, he is known as someone else. He is known as Sam Pepperman. He made a film called Shark Babes, Camel Spiders, which I hope isn't a sex film, Dino Croc versus Super Gator, Busty Cops Go Hawaiian, uh, The Devil Wears Nada. <laughs> oh, mate, da I Vin- told you I picked this. The Da Vinci Coed. I mean... Oh, yeah. I told you I loved a good pun. <laughs> the Bear Wench Project. I mean, come on. This is... I think maybe your sexism radar has just exploded, but some of these films are... Do you ever feel like you go to like a show? Or it happens in theatre as well. Um, not so much TV, but a theatre piece or a film where you know for a fact that they've started off with a cool name and then gone, what can I write? (laughs) I mean, I think with cult films as well, like the title is half of the reason that people watch them. Uh, Usually good poster, good title. I mean, I would 100% 100 watch The Hills Have Thighs (laughs) just to see what it is. Yeah, go on his, go on Jim Wynorski's uh, IMDb after the podcast listeners and check out some of his. I mean, I might even have to cover some of these just out of curiosity. 
Can I come on for the crocodile one? Because that sounds <laughs> yeah. absolutely phenomenal. Legend of the Naked Ghost, Sharkansas Women's Prison. Oh, yeah. Anyway, so this is the guy that wrote and directed uh, Chopping Moor. And I think, yeah, looking at it, Chopping Moor is probably his biggest success. <laughs> and one of his earliest films, actually. Um, oh, he made Big Bad Mama 2, which I have also seen. This is a prolific career, though, right? Like, he's probably yeah, he's still making made films. more... His last film was 2018, so... Mate, he's 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 more prolific than Spielberg at this point. Yeah, I mean, we're, you know, we're talking about Jim Wynoski on uh, on the podcast, not Spielberg, so he's done something right. Okay, so for each film that I'm covering, uh, I'm going to break each film down into a number of categories. Those categories are sex and nudity, acting, gore and violence, WTF moments, writing, special effects, and then the overall rating that me and my guests think about the film. So let's start with Sex and Nudity in Chopping Mall. What were your thoughts on how Sex and Nudity was portrayed? Of course, there's never any penises. It's always just boobs. Yeah, yeah. I loved how in the opening credits, the longest opening credits ever, there were just a bunch of bikini babes wearing <laughs> yeah. sashes for no reason. That's when I knew it was going to be a good film. <laughs> there's a lot of butts and boobs I've written down. Everyone is sort of coupled up. The film is kind of led by the relationships of the characters, like uh, everyone's in their couple or, you know, trying to get into a couple. And it's all a very, you know, teen, I guess. I mean, not entirely sure how old they're supposed to be. They, as with all 80s films, they look like they could be 30 playing, you know, anywhere from 16 to 25. I, th I think they're in their early 20s or late teens because they're all working in shops and things, so... And then it was, they were the ones that were like married and it was like, okay, well, maybe they're a bit older, oh, yeah, but then true. why are they there? It's, but I mean, look, it was the most weird bit for me was like, why are they all having sex in the same room <laughs> yeah. five feet away from each and, other? And like, they're all quite, you know, awkward and casual, but not that awkward that they wouldn't be prepared to have sex, you know, six feet away from their friends whilst they're watching a film and they're like oh they're having a good time <laughs> it's a big shop it's not like they've chosen the one that's like timpsons where no. where it's like a small a kiosk and then a bit at the back it's like it's a big enough shop that, that although i did appreciate the very very good camera work where it went between yes. all the sex in couples it was yeah. a, a legitimately good <laughs> directorial decision yeah the whole film in general is quite well made i would say and there's the temptation to make all sex and nudity with these kind of films like really gratuitous and there is a lot of it but i think it kind of it's quite tongue-in-cheek, for want of a better phrase. It's quite playful and it's quite silly and, you know, not too overdone. I think it, it could... It's sort of borderline, like, okay, we've seen quite a lot of <laughs> tits and bums now. I think it kind of makes sense within the context of the film. Well, they get over and done with the most gratuitous bits quite quickly because you have the sex-obsessed couple yeah. dying first, um, very violently. <laughs> The one whose head explodes, where you're like, yeah. what? <laughs> There's all of the, the scientists reading porn magazines at work and stuff. Some dodgy kissing. Like, no, I've seen a lot of these kind of films and no one knows how to kiss. I don't know whether it was like actors really didn't want to do it. So they just kind of suck chins and lick cheeks and things. 
No one looks comfortable kissing in this film. Do you know what I actually wrote in my note? Did people only learn how to kiss in the 90s? <laughs> yeah, the 80s were a decade of discovery. It's so theatrical. It's a mixture between porn and those really over-the-top like 30s and 40s films mm-hmm. where yep. they just move their heads loads because it's like, you know, that kind of end of things like Gone with the Wind and stuff, the kind of big iconic moments mm. in these old films mixed with moving your head around pretending to kiss your mate in the back of a car when you've got your hands in front of each other and that will be the only comparison between <laughs> chopping mall and gone with the wind that will ever be made <laughs> and, and actually chopping mall was a lot less racist because there was a black janitor and he's not the one who died well actually it's quite progressive in terms of uh, female representation as well because it starts being quite you know it's all about tits and bums and sex and then actually in most cases it's the the women leading the way and you know the woman fixes the car and the um the husband's like oh she's done it again and then spoiler alert the uh the woman kind of you know saves the day after all that all they needed was a bit of paint <laughs> yeah. okay so rating sex and nudity in uh chopping mall what have you gone for out of five it is funny it is very funny but it doesn't contribute anything Ah. I mean, I feel like it contributes tone to the, you know, it doesn't take itself seriously. It's very silly and it's very obvious and in your face, literally. Hmm. What are you going to give it? I've gone three to 3.5 because I think it's like nothing crazy happens. But the fact that they're all having sex in this furniture shop was quite funny. And then the fact that they're all like dealing with sex in their relationships in a slightly different way. I I think three out of five. I, I think I'm going to agree because it was very funny. It wasn't too bad. Like it wasn't like insulting or too gratuitous. Mm. Yeah. But there needed to be a bit more from the men. I just think they weren't, <laughs> yeah. uh, they weren't representing enough. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. All right. So then we move on to acting and we are both actors. So, you know, we can appreciate good and bad acting. It was, I mean, the acting is so 80s in this. Everyone is a... um you know, a stereotype of their character, but then that's how the characters have been written, I think. I thought the acting was, you know, for this kind of film, pretty pretty decent. Yeah, I think so too. I thought, I, I definitely thought it was going to be worse. Mm. Again, there's a difference between intentionally stereotypical acting yeah. and just not being able to say lines. Um, the, the, bit that's, the bits that are always awful are either the the no context reaction shots. I mean, I know for a fact as someone I recently did a TV show and really the hardest thing is not the scenes, it's when you just have your cutaway to one line or one reaction. And <laughs> so like they're watching something that isn't a robot and they're just like the guy who plays um Ferdy like sliding down a wall. <laughs> yeah. Like, what are you doing? So I think in general the acting was good, but there were a couple of bits where I was like... Yeah, they're not very good at reacting to the fact that their friends just had a fucking head blown off. Like, they're just kind of, oh, oh, okay, well, that's bad news for the rest of us. I mean, it's a short film, so you can't... Uh, short-ish. You can't really uh, cram too much emotional stuff in, but no one seems particularly bothered about what's happening. It is almost impossible to deliver some of the stuff that they were asked to deliver oh, yeah. without it being crap. Yeah, agreed. I don't think there's any weak link, really. I think they're all on par with each other. They all play their characters, however two-dimensional they are. They all play them with commitment, I think. 
I just, <laughs> I just really liked the uh, the weird couple at the beginning um, yes. who are just like in the opening scene who feel like maybe they were you know had been in one of the director's other films and he was like oh I'll definitely give you another part in ah oh, shit I've got to write them a part in this film now my favorite moment in the opening scene apart from that ridiculous bit where he says the one in the middle has an unpleasantly ethnic quality yes yeah, like, I was what? like what do you you it, you sort of feel like he's building up for them to be the first victims and then it never happened. But it, it cuts away to them over dramatically rolling their eyes. And again, it's an example where the director's been like, right, we're going to do a cutaway and I need you to just roll your eyes. Yeah. And they just like, their whole head goes all the way around. <laughs> that, that scene in particular is very, very strange. It's some quality exposition. Like, I think that's when I knew I was going to like it because it was so blatantly just like, here is the exposition. Like, you can tell something's going to go wrong anyway. It's called chopping ball. <laughs> but there yeah. is a way that in structuring any kind of art, if you could call it art, <laughs> like this, where you have to say something along the lines of, trust me, absolutely nothing can go wrong. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the amount we do that in improv as well for some of these films that we then like improvise mm, yeah nothing is gonna happen and then all <laughs> the other improvisers know that this is exactly what needs to happen and yeah. it's it's that perfect and that's when i knew that i was going to enjoy it because i was like oh it's that meta okay yeah it's i think the acting is very like of its time as well like it's very those are the kind of characters you get in lots of 80s slasher films and horror films or all the young couples and there's the slightly nerdy couple and there's the bro um glamour model type characters and then there's the yeah all, all of the stock characters are there from a horror film really so yeah i thought they i thought consistently across the board they're pretty decent i said three out of five which maybe is a bit harsh maybe i would go to 3.5 but you know let's not be under the illusion that this is uh chekhov or shakespeare <laughs> so they're not really going to get the chance to uh show off their full range but i think with what they had to give they did a decent job how about you i'm gonna go for four i think considering the genre and the style i think some some of the bad moments were the best moments yeah that's true yeah i thought um the actress who plays allison the sort of well the lead really the the lead slightly geeky girl played by kelly maroney i thought she was very good thought she kind of held it together and gives you someone to to root for as well yeah i thought pretty consistent 3.5 for me and then we move on to gore and violence in chopping mall which you know there's a lot of people who get blown up and things fall off and get killed a lot of death in this film yeah it's quite it's quite a violent film but it's so ridiculous that you can't take any any of it seriously what did you think i'm gonna bang on about robocop again but that (laughs) is like incredibly violent like yes there are people are having their faces melted off there's blood coming out of it like it is really it was so much that actually in our when we watched it for our film club a couple of people were like can we not watch something quite that bad again <laughs> yeah, yeah. so i was i was sort of ready for the potential of of it being like that mm-hmm. um yeah and it really wasn't <laughs> when the first woman gets her head just like exploded for no reason incredible scene i was like what but it didn't make me it didn't make me feel ill it didn't make me feel like it was too gratuitous it was just kind of funny and then the fact that these um these robots just kill people in different ways every time it was like (laughs) 
It's just like if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Yeah, they're inventive with their with their kills in this film, and yeah, it doesn't it doesn't come across as gratuitous, even though someone's head has literally been <laughs> split into and their brains splattered over the shop window while their friends watch on and look mildly miffed. It's just so over the top that it's it's just funny, isn't it? From that first death, you know that it's that's going to be the style of the film, so you kind of know to expect more of the same, I guess, in a slightly tongue-in-cheek way. Yeah, I think the only bits that made me go, ooh, are the guy who got his throat cut, because mm-hmm. you, like, yeah. see it. It's more real than a woman just having her head exploded. And the same with um, when you think Ferdy's died. I have this thing with, like, pools of blood just coming yeah. out of yeah, someone's the head. hitting the head on the on the bin or whatever it was yeah to me the hardest bits to watch were were the guy with the head and even though we know he was okay mm. and um and the guy who got his throat slit because actually they're they're just things that happen to people whereas the the stupid um robot arms coming in and out <laughs> yeah. and the rubbish lasers and the exploding <laughs> heads i mean i'm totally there with that yeah. I, the, the amount of bad electricity decisions oh were. yeah the electrocution of dick miller as the janitor was spectacular where it goes into like cartoon x-ray mode and you just see his skull like flashing <laughs> through the uh thing and then just sparks and smoke machines yeah it's it's inventive like loads of different things happen loads of gunfire and explosions and people falling from buildings and people getting cut with robot arms and being burnt alive that was pretty horrific burnt alive was horrific yeah although she laid there for a good minute just sort of screaming while her friends are like oh should we oh oh, no it's too late wait another minute oh oh oh, should we go in Ah." she definitely could have got away Here's my thing that I wrote. I was like, why can't women run? Yeah, that's a that's a staple of, of horror, isn't it? Women tripping up over their feet and flailing on the floor. and Yeah. Ridiculous. <laughs> but I'm actually thinking of it, I tell you the other one that I didn't like, the guy who fell like four yeah. floors. Because I have this thing, like I live in East London. I live really near Westfield. And mm-hmm. every time I go to Westfield, I feel really uncomfortable walking uh, towards the Next middle to the of it. Or, yeah, yeah, yeah. All somebody needs to do is just tip me over. And I'm quite short, so it'd be harder to tip me over than like a lanky man like you. Mm-hmm. But Thank you. it really freaks me out about the idea of falling through more floors yeah. and any kind of stairs, even in my flat complex. Yeah, there's a there's a mix of uh very cartoony violence and then real stuff, which I guess is good because it keeps you on your keeps you on your toes when you're watching. I thought the way it was handled in the film was pretty good. Some of it was realis- uh, realistic. Some of it was way not. <laughs> what did you What did you give gore and violence in the film? I think I'm going to give it a three. Okay. I don't know whether I should have given it more because I quite in no. I'm going to give it a four because a lot of the time I don't love gore and violence, mm. and this one was actually quite funny and enjoyable. <laughs> I gave it four as well. Yeah, I think, I mean, I do, I do like a good gory over the top slasher film and all that stuff. But I think within the context of killer robots in a shopping center, I think they nailed, <laughs> they nailed the uh, the right amount of gore and violence. And that first head explosion scene completely caught me off guard. So I was in, I was, uh, I was completely uh, attentive at that point. But yeah, no, no one, um, <laughs> no one can run or hide or do anything logical uh, in this film. So um I feel like they probably could have got away from most of these situations, but... Oh my God, always. 
it really reminded me of the like Doctor Who theory. Why are the Daleks the worst thing in the entire yeah. like set of universes? I wrote at the end in my notes, you know, when she's like crawling away and she ends up dangling off the side. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I actually thought to myself, why doesn't she dangle off the side? So, and then it happened. And I was like, fucking yes. <laughs> the, the only good decision anyone's made in this film. But when she, she's, the robot goes up to one of those 360 degree coffee kiosks. Yeah. And I was literally like, for fuck's sake, <laughs> if you'd have just hidden in one of those coffee kiosks for seven hours. Yeah. And the whole thing as well, like, if you'd have just stayed in the vents for yeah. seven hours... Yeah, um, you would have survived. You would have been a bit hot and had a headache, but you would have lived. Bonkers. So, yeah. <laughs> so, now we move on to WTF moments. Anything that stood out as particularly, uh, like, what is happening? So, the first one was why are they all having sex in the same room, but we've already, we've perfectly, already been Perfectly there. reasonable question. Uh, I'll give you some of mine. I just thought the opening credits was a really weird stylistic setup for a, a, a film. Loads of people pile into a lift and then there's a kid with an ice cream who just stands there and his ice cream's gone all oh, over yeah. himself and he looks confused. What about the little Aryan kid on the skateboard? <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. This blonde-haired, like, blue-eyed yeah. Aryan child next to the women with big boobs. Yeah, there's a woman just walking around with a tray of Coke, not trying to spill it about 20 times. It's a weird set up for the it's i don't know it feels a bit at odds with what happens in the rest of the film but i guess they're trying to show that this is hey it's just a regular fun shopping mall what could possibly happen in this <laughs> idyllic situation um the pet shop scene was just chaos i thought oh <laughs> I was like, firstly there's like puppies in little boxes little cages and i was like well who's looking after those guys and um and then just a load of tarantulas just like cr start crawling all over. There's a snake that starts flicking the tarantulas out the way. And the thing that makes her scream is a freaking cat. That scene is just chaos, pet shop exploding and yeah. Ugh. I also liked um, the random Phantom of the Opera chandelier that just falls down for no reason. But it's not a big chandelier. So it's not <laughs> like one of the ones in, um, you know, in Mars Attacks when, is it Glenn Close? The chandelier just falls right on her head. I can't remember now, but that seems that seems plausible. Yeah. One of my biggest ones was, and this is like such an annoying thing, the genius of the mannequins, right, was great. Like when they... Yeah, that's like, their first wise decision, I think. Yeah, big fan of that. And then I loved it when they took away the, uh, the rug and there were mirrors. I was like, great. Yeah that's going to confuse them even more. And then I was like, oh, don't tell me. And lo and behold, the mirrors reflected a laser. <laughs> <laughs> and then the the robot got hit by its own laser off a mirror. And I was just like, that's, that's not how lasers work. <laughs> yeah. Even in the 80s. <laughs> I, yeah, I put the couple, the couples casually having sex in, in a furniture shop. Oh, when the two guys are like sorting out, blowing up the lift shaft and one of them just says, hey, how much do I owe you for that beer? And it's like, dude, <laughs> there are bigger things to deal with now. Let's just, at best, don't worry about it. Uh, at worst, we're all going to die and it's not going to be an issue. And how right at the end when, uh, what's, the guy, what's the guy's name when he comes back and you think he's dead? Ferdy. When um, Ferdy is just like, just mending his 
head wound with a whole toilet roll just stuck to the side yeah. of his head. And and how he's like totally fine because like she's actually been quite good with her acting consistently. Like yeah. once she falls off onto that kiosk, you can see that she's hurt herself. She's hurt her back. She's hurt her side. She's hurt yeah. her legs. It's quite consistent. And then at the end, when he just like casually runs down a set of stairs and grabs her and they kiss yeah. as if he hasn't just had... <laughs> An incredibly major head wound that was so bad that she assumed he was dead. Yeah, and the robots assumed he was dead as well, and nothing gets past those guys. So, you know, he was out cold. Well, I almost feel like all they needed to do was just follow them the entire time. Yeah, they don't have any rearview mirrors. If they didn't notice, they can't look down either. Just make sure you're a floor above or below them at all times, because we've already discovered that they can't face down and they have to use escalators. Well, I have given... WTF moments three out of five because in comparison to the rest of the film all this stuff is like fairly fairly bog standard that there's going to be a you know exploding pet shop and couples having sex in a furniture shop etc so I figure that these were just minor WTF moments in the grand scheme of things yeah I agree I think they were like WTF moments in the moment that are just like weird and wacky and bad and but good <laughs> yeah you know what i mean everything uh, yeah everything kind of made sense with what we know of these characters and the situation they're in writing on the other hand were you a fan of uh the writing in the film i think it i mean look the pacing of it was really good and particularly yeah. when you've got a writer and director you really fall into the dangerous territory i think particularly with like films actually with theater and I guess maybe not so much TV, but you can really form fall into these the trap of it just becoming really long and really based on what the director's feeling at any one point rather yeah. than what the film actually needs and really self-indulgent. I'm like, that was a 75-minute film that was shorter than a lot of like... That was shorter than Frozen. Yeah, well, a lot of Disney Pixar films are like nearly two hours these days, so, you know... There's not many short feature films. Apparently this film was originally, the original edit was 95 minutes and then they cut out a bunch of uh, exposition shots of LA and <laughs> just like helicopter shots and stuff, which I think they <laughs> added in originally to make it seem more, you know, bigger than it was. But um, I think, no, I think it works perfectly as 75 minutes. It's, uh, you get all the key scenes in there, you follow their journey and there's not much more you can do with this kind of storyline, really. I wouldn't have wanted to see much more, but I think at, at 75 minutes, it's pretty pretty snappy. And there's some good lines in there as well. Yes. Fuck the future, it's Friday. <laughs> yeah. Um, what's her name? What's the brunette's character's name? Linda? Yeah, I think it's Linda when Linda says, uh, I guess I'm just not used to being chased around at night by killer robots. And it's like, oh yeah, my God. okay. <laughs> As I kind of thought that was supposed to be her being like, quirky but no i think that was like supposed to be a serious moment <laughs> so good i guess i'm not used to being chased around a mall in the middle of the night by killer robots <laughs> sure linda i also really like so that janitor i actually like wrote it down his last line before he dies is i knew you bastards were gonna be trouble when they first bought you in here <laughs> it's yeah. like of course you did of course you did. and of course the line trust me absolutely nothing can go wrong is just yeah I, I enjoyed the um I enjoyed the mid seduction um you smell like pepperoni. Well if that's how you feel 
I like pepperoni. And then she sings and gets her tits out. So that was... I completely <laughs> forgot about that. I think, I'd, like... I think I'd actually blocked that from my memory. <laughs> that is my biggest WTF moment in the whole thing. In all fairness, Chris, that's probably the most accurate representation of a middling to long-term couple that exists. <laughs> yeah, I think it's there's not a huge amount of dialogue because it's short and a lot of it is just the robot saying, thank you, have a nice day. <laughs> And the amazing music. Seriously, that music is so good. I actually might see if I can find the soundtrack. It'd be a good ringtone. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, 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 dun. Yeah, it's it's a good good tunes. I have gone three out of five for writing because I thought, yeah, I mean, for what it is, it does well. Maybe three point five. It does uh, it does a good job, but it's not. You know, it's a film about killer robots in a shopping centre. Mm. It's never going to be incredible, but uh, I think 3.5 for me. So I was going to go four, but I'm just thinking compared to Short Circuit, which manages to be really genuinely heartwarming and compared to Princess Bride, the fact that you genuinely engage with those characters so much, whereas this one you really don't care. I think I probably will give it a three. Yeah, I, I, I give the the writer and director credit for female characters having strong strong leads of the film and we get to see Alison save the day so I think that was a, a good choice it's nice to see the, their relationship as well that you know it's got a happy ending <laughs> relatively unexpected it's got a happy ending unless you are the parents of <laughs> yeah. the four dead teenagers or anybody who works in the mall or had a kiosk in the mall or wanted to go shopping in the mall the next day well, or, yeah. <laughs> or is related to the pervy security guards but for those two people once they get through therapy they're going to have a lovely life together yeah they're not going to be able to not end up together because nobody else will understand I'm glad they got together. That was a nice. That was a nice moment. So, you, what was your final verdict on writing? I am actually um, going to give it a three. I, I really enjoyed it, but just thinking compared to some other films. Yeah, no, that's that's fair. All right, last topic then: special effects. Oh my goodness! There are, <laughs> five, these five, five. effects are pretty special. <laughs> I mean, I've just written down mixed bag <laughs> because <laughs> there is. The old pyro budget's pretty high on this one. Lots of stuff exploding, lots of windows smashing. The robots are pretty good, isn't it? Like a practical effect. The the fire's great, yeah. The, yeah. the fire's great. When she gets um when she gets set on fire and also that that last uh, bit in the paint shop, I I was yeah. almost waiting for the robot arm to move and for it to come alive again. Like it really kept the suspense there. Yeah. Um, yeah, all the fire behind and the silhouette of the charred robot um and then some very shitty pink lasers (laughs) oh my god those lasers and also they didn't have any consistency like a how bad a shot are these robots they suck and b like sometimes people get hit by a laser and they're like dead and then sometimes they get like hit and she's like oh i just i hurt my arm a bit yeah nothing yeah (laughs) well sometimes it tears through clothing sometimes they get like they get killed and yeah like you said other times nothing happens. I mean, I almost feel like they could have just not had the lasers in there and it would have been as, you know, effective. I think as well, because of the kind of the time it came out and what that meant for how much they could do, and I guess the budget too, like the problem is you couldn't tell where the hell the lasers were going. Like you couldn't no. tell. 
it looked like they kept getting hit. And then I was like, oh, no, that's just because they could only do like up, down, left or right. Yeah. yeah. It didn't look like they were hit anything. They were hitting anything anyway. So it was like, uh, oh, I think they might just be playing laser tag. This is when we find out that they've all just had this laser tag thing on their chest the entire time. The robots <laughs> yeah. just thought they were playing paintball. The, I mean, you know, full marks to the head explosion. That's that head being blown up was pretty was pretty good. And they only they only show it to you for like a split second, so you don't get a chance to work out what it was. You know, obviously it's a dummy, but um, you you know you don't see that cut. So it's that was pretty good. I thought. Also, the blood splatters on the window were perfect. Yeah, the scene where um, the robots like smash through the window of the furniture shop and they're like running through and everything's blowing up and there's pillow feathers everywhere, glass smashing, exploding weird animal lamps and stuff and they're all diving over stuff. That was that was good. So uh, yeah, very much a mixed bag. And then, you know, the shitty x-ray um, electrocution death, <laughs> which is less good. What about the um, original storm? Like that lightning oh, bolt? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, the, the the key moment of exposition in the plot, and then yeah, I thought the robots were well designed. Um, I like their little tiny little little hooks for hands and their little um, grabber things. So I've actually just had I've just looked up short circuit. They are practically the same robots. Let's be honest. Apart from the fact that short circuit. They have faces that are really full of expression. Yeah. Like the bottom half of them, the fact that they're on those little um, those little belt wheels, yeah. they are really similar. But they came out, I am just Googled what the short circuit robots look like and they look... Oh, it came out in the same year. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. It came, came out the same year. And comparative to the ones in Chopping Mall, the short circuit robots are much more expressionful. They look more human. They look like their arms can do more. They look like their body can do more. They have, like, eyes. They're just good guys, you know. They've got a good personality. <laughs> whereas yeah, the guys whereas in... Are... Um, I mean, I say guys. I'm being very um, dismissive of the possibility they might be female robots. But I'm going to say, because they're annoying little short man syndrome angry pricks they're probably men <laughs> yeah. don't tweet me don't tweet me these robots are men <laughs> now knowing that short circuit came out in the same year and how much better they are i'm less impressed by the robots in chopping mall yeah i've gone three out of five for special effects because i thought the pyros and the fire and all that stuff was very well executed and the lasers and all the other stuff was not so half and half so maybe 2.5 three i think three is fair Right, I'll get. I'll. I'm actually gonna go not, not in the middle, and I'm gonna give it a two. Whoa! That doesn't mean that I didn't enjoy the rubbish <laughs> special effects, but that's not what this yeah, is that's, about. Yeah, that's. It's not. Yeah, it's not a. Um, the special effects are you know incidental, I, I suppose, to the to everything else. But um, yeah, they're certainly not the high point of this this film. A loving two. <laughs> yeah. So then we come on to overall rating. How as an overall piece of cinematic art what would you give chopping mall now i can't believe i'm saying this but because just after i'd finished it my housemate walked in and i said to him david you have to watch chopping mall <laughs> i'm actually gonna give it a four because i just felt like i really enjoyed nice. it even in its rubbish moments yeah yeah i i went 3.5 because i've 
I'm comparing it to, you know, loads and loads and loads of similar films I've seen, uh, cult films and horror films and stuff that I've seen. And I think 3.5 is fair. I've now seen this film three times and I feel that that is enough. <laughs> I feel like I don't need to see it again. <laughs> I'm glad I've seen it. I enjoyed seeing it those three times. But um, yeah, it is what it is. And there's not much more that you can get out of this film. Whereas certain trashy films, you just have to go back and watch them because they're so ridiculous or so unbelievable or over the top. It's got some stupid moments. It's got some funny moments. But it's not like, well, this is the craziest film you've ever seen or the worst film you've ever seen. So I would absolutely recommend people go and watch this film. Agreed. I mean, I'm I'm quite a rookie. So I think for me, as somebody who doesn't watch as many films in general anyway, and, and certainly does not watch, you know, all the cult films that I've referenced they're like big cult films yeah. like yeah so I would say this one because of its length because it makes sense as a like it makes sense what's happening a bunch of robots go wrong and rogue and they kill a bunch of people who are where they're not supposed to be yeah so I almost feel like the thing that might have made it a bit better would be if it wasn't as boring as like a bad storm made them go <laughs> yeah. rogue like I wish I feel like there's another like five minutes of in the beginning the thing where like the one of the robots taps into itself yeah or something happens or somebody makes a mistake if they'd just fleshed that out but other than that i would say this is like the perfect entry level yeah no, film if you want to go from the princess brides and the robocops <laughs> into the really fucked up stuff yeah. that i probably haven't watched i would say this is probably quite a good one to kind of whet one's appetite yes i would agree with that yeah it's it's fun it's silly it's gory it's not so extreme that you know you couldn't show it to friends and they think you're really weird it's a uh, decent length it's rewatchable up to three times <laughs> and uh yeah the script's decent performances are decent a solid, good cult film, I would say. So you've gone... Did you say four? I'm giving it a four. I'm four? It a four. Yeah, 3.5 from, from me, four for you. That's pretty good scores all around. Do you have a favourite scene? I honestly don't know. I'm really bad at this stuff. <laughs> Unless it's something that's like really iconic. What's your favourite scene? I mean, just for sheer cult cultness i've gone for the the head explosion as one of my favorite movie deaths and it's funny it's shocking it's gory that was a perfect moment for me and also just the scene in the furniture shop before it all kicks off when they're all just doing their coupley stuff like you said the good camera work moving between the couples and we see little bits of their their characters and then we finish with um the nerdy couple who will become the heroes watching that film together and there's that nice moment where they're like oh I, um no you don't have to take me home i want to stay for a bit she should have gone home she should have gone home she would have been safe but um yeah i liked to i like that scene i thought it was pretty funny as well i think probably the exploding head scene for me but not just the exploding like that whole cheesy run leading up to it yeah is classic it's just everything you think of like even if you've never seen a gory cult film before that's exactly what you think of running to the camera and then running away from the camera and running really slowly and making it look like you're not. And of course she's running in her pants. Why not? I'm also going to say I really like the first scene as well. Oh, the awkward like introduction. Oh, yeah. Big fan. <laughs> Big fan. I think the um, just the blatant exposition of it all. I love it when you can just tell that a scene purely exists for exposition. Like, yep. I love it. 
and and that's when you know that when you get an incredible writer that you don't see that scene as exposition it's more than just (laughs) exposition and that's what makes decent writing or bad writing or okay writing different from incredible writing so i loved how just (laughs) unashamedly it was yeah I can't believe that he didn't think of like when it all ends, that having been the end of the lockdown and then it going to like all the doors opening and like the janitors that we saw not get killed earlier open and they're like, what the? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it was quite a downbeat. Well, I mean, it's positive ending, but yeah, it does just kind of like just fades back up to the the ceiling and then that's it. And then they have that cheesy, all the actors uh, names come up with their faces. Like some famous 70s cop drama. <laughs> Do you have a favourite character? I just loved the name Ferdy. It's a good name. It's a good, uh, it's a good 80s name. I thought... I thought he was a sweet character. And what was interesting was, so he was getting like bullied a bit by the jock. And then the other guy actually stuck up for him. There, It was like a lot more respectful yeah. friendship than the yeah. idea. It wasn't just your uncle owns this. So we're going to drag you along. It was like they are actually friends. Yeah, it was quite wholesome in that respect. I liked him. I did quite like the married couple as well. I thought they had quite a sweet little relationship. I thought they were quite interesting. And yep. then the the woman who they'd set up to be really badass just stopped being badass. And I was like, <laughs> oh. So I would say Ferdy. I thought I thought he was quite sweet. Um, and again, uh, eye rolling lady from from <laughs> yeah scene one. <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm rooting for Alison all the way. She's she's the antihero. She was. I genuinely didn't expect her to be the you know to come through and save the day so i was happy um she survived and yeah she was and probably my favorite genuinely good performance as well and barbara crampton as susie as well i quite quite liked her now we come on to what is the most important part of the podcast it's quiz time How do you feel about your knowledge of Chopping Mall being tested? How confident are you feeling? Well, I mean, you've told me that you keep losing these. (laughs) And so I'm fully expecting you in this particular episode not to go down with your ship. And because it's me, pull best mate privileges and actually give me an absolutely fiendish load of questions. Whereas I... Had a couple of really fiendish ones, and I think I've I think I've given you some fair fair chances. We shall see. Do you want to answer first, or do you want to ask first? I will answer first, and also because I've got some extra questions in case you ask the same one. Oh yeah, that's good. Question one: How are the robots supposed to tell intruders and non-intruders apart? Uh, there, if you are not an intruder, you have staff badge, and that staff badge has a little barcode, and you're supposed to wave it in front of the little red things. Correct. Yes, I wrote down yes. ID badges. No bonus points for additional information, but I will accept your very long answer. <laughs> I am nothing if not not concise. <laughs> Question two: Name two ways the robots can detain criminals. Uh, one of them is a sleeping dart correct and then is one of them an electricity like taser yes i've written down taser slash electric cables so yes correct you've got a point two out of two so far question three 
what causes the guy to fall over on the escalator in the opening credit scene? Uh, I can't really remember, but judging by the opening credit scene, was he staring at the ladies with big boobs? God damn it, yes, he was. Was it right? <laughs> yes. Uh, I was like, I you can't remember. But... <laughs> yeah. No, I know enough about perving. Perving men, not me perving. He's carrying loads of boxes of like shoes and stuff, and then he sees them all coming down the escalator and trips up and whoa. That's very funny. Three out of three, not looking good for me. Question four. Who is the first person to be killed in the film? The first person to be killed in the film is the first security guy in the uh, control room. Correct. Yeah. Scientist with a porn mag. Yeah. That's his full title, but I will accept security man in room. Yes. I don't know what his... What's he listed on IMDBS, I wonder? No, don't look! Oh, okay, 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 okay. I'm not looking. I haven't looked. I haven't no, looked. No, that's that's not good, is I it? Because I know I that looked. you don't. No, no, no. I know. I know it. His. I'm going to change my second question. His name is Marty. Okay. Because my question was, what's the name of the first guy to be killed by the machines? And his name is Marty. <laughs> so I'm, I have saved you. Okay. So four out of four. Correct. Uh, it's all in it for this last one. Could be tricky. Question five. What does Alison attribute her good shooting skills to? Her dad's a marine. God fucking... Ah. I can't believe I got them! <laughs> I can't five. believe I got them! Absolute bullshit. Five by five to any Buffy fans out there. Five <laughs> by five. Very happy for you. Five out of five. Congratulations, but it's not over yet because I could also get five and will be equally good. And that will be because I've been nice to you because I've just changed number two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. All right, it's your turn. Okay, number one. The couple in the opening scene, my favourite characters, they appear to run a business. What is that business? It's a restaurant because they say about cockroaches and kicking out people that they don't want and stuff. Well done. Yay, one point. One point, okay. (laughs) In the restaurant... Yes. ...with the (laughs) very xenophobic Italian waiter... (laughs) Which I can't believe we haven't talked about before. No, that's a, that's a very crucial scene. The slobbish guy in the restaurant... Yes. ...asks for more of something. Uh, what does he ask for? More... gravy. No, butter. Ah, shit. Uh, thought it was gravy because he's eating like... what well, looks like, I don't know, like a bowl of cinnamon buns or something. But I don't know what he's eating. Which, of course, you know, obviously covering gravy. Yeah. Damn it. Okay. So the first girl who dies, I can't remember her name, exploding head lady. Yes. There's a very classy shot of her walking away and it's just on her butt. Yes. In those blue turquoise pants. There is a brand on those pants. Yes, there is. There is. And I'm about it's to It's quite tell you. a big one. Now, I know I oh, I I made I made a mental note of that. I thought it was quite weird that that was... I'm going to say... Oh, I'm going to say Playboy. Yes! Yay! Yeah! Yes! Well done. Two... What's that? Was that question three? Two out of three, yeah. Which character, and if you don't know their name, it's not the end of the world, you just need to know their character. Okay. Says, a computer, huh? Let's go trash the fucker. Um, it is the... Guy who has a sort of a mental breakdown later on. It's the guy with the like quiffy hair, um, who's not the geeky guy, and who's not the husband guy. 
Pepperami it's, guy. It's the yeah. Sausage guy. Yeah. Yes, it is. It's Greg. Greg. It's Greg. Yep, well done. Yay. So you're three out of four. <sighs> okay. Okay. For your self-respect. Yeah. Where does Ferdy get hit by the metal canister when we think he's dead? And I don't mean where as in like where in the in the mall, I mean. Ge- geographically. T- show me on, on the puppet where it <laughs> touched you. I'm going to say like his torso. Yes. Is that right? Literally, I've written... I've written his torso because hey. it, it, it made me laugh that it got hit in the hit in the torso <laughs> and it was his head that got cut open. Yes, I thought the head was too obvious. Oh my goodness, that was a close one. But sadly, I did not win again. But four out of five is pretty good. But congratulations, Holly. Thank you. Five out I can't of believe five, I got that. Five out of five. Wow, what a journey we have been on. Uh, thank you for coming on the podcast. Thank you for watching the film and having some thoughts about it. Do you have any film recommendations? I keep going on about them. If you like robots, but you want something that's a bit got a bit more heart, Short Circuit. I just I can't believe how many people haven't seen Short Circuit. Like, yeah, it was least, definitely part of my childhood. Yeah, I loved it. Nice. That's made me think of the Brave Little Toaster now. Do you remember that? <gasps> oh my that? god, yes. I wanted one of those blankets, the little talking oh. blanket guy. Yeah, so I'm I'm going to say both of them. Brave Little Toaster has nothing to do with this kind of film other than the fact that there's objects. Yeah, that's a great film. Good recommendation. And what about your own projects? What do you have coming up? And what can uh, where can people go to find out about your, uh, your various endeavours? I am an improviser with all-female group called Notflix. We haven't been sued by Netflix yet. <laughs> and what we do is the audience write down films that they recently saw with a brief synopsis. We then pick two films out of a bucket. You vote which film you want to see. And then we do a whole full 50 minute length musical based on your synopsis. And that doesn't matter if we've seen the film. It doesn't matter any of that. It's based on what you tell us the film is about. It's completely improvised. We've got an amazing band. And it is really fun for people who... Even if you're not that into improv or or you don't think you are yet or you're not that into musicals, it's really great for comedy fans, film fans and just people who want to have an uplifting time. So, yeah, I would say yeah. Notflix. We're, on, uh, we're online if you type in Notflix, the improvised musical, and we're at WFTC Improv on the Twitter and the Insta. I'm on Twitter and Instagram at Schmallet. S-H-M-A-L-L-E-T-T. Perfect. Well, thank you so much for keeping me company this afternoon and for talking about the film. And I will speak to you, no doubt, very soon. <laughs> yes. Thank you, Holly. I will speak to you in 30 seconds <laughs> when you turn this off. <laughs> Thanks, Holly. Bye. Goodbye. Bye-bye now. Okay, and that was episode five of the Big Fat Colts movie podcast. Thank you so much for joining. If it was your first time listening to the show, I hope you enjoyed it. And if you're a regular listener, then thank you for coming back and supporting the show. If you haven't already, please do subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify and SoundCloud. And if you have a couple of minutes to leave us a nice review and rating, that would be really appreciated. As always, tweet us. We're on Twitter at Big Fat Cult, and I'm at Chris underscore Mayo. And you can find Holly's details in the description below. Films and guests coming up over the next few weeks and months include Burnt Offerings with Carrie Thompson, 
Troma's Poultrygeist with comedian Angus Dunnikin, The Greasy Strangler with comedian and actor Paul Aitchison, and Neil Breen's Fateful Findings with comedian and cabaret performer Suze Kempner. But for now, thank you so much for listening to episode 5 of the Big Fat Cult Movie Podcast. Keep watching weird and wonderful films, and I will see you in another episode very soon. Thank you very much. Goodbye. Goodbye.